Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and joining me tonight is... Mark Botker. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. And tonight we are talking about the new TNT sci-fi series, Snowpiercer. Uh, normally at this point we would go into that uh, Ben Young, Young News. However, we have decided... Uh, there sometimes just isn't enough compelling things to talk about in the world of sci-fi week to week um, that we don't kind of want to just take up airtime just to do that. So uh, in the future, if we feel that something is worth talking about, we're definitely going to do it. But this week isn't one of those weeks. So having said that, uh, we're kind of just going to jump right into the topic tonight. The new TNT show Snowpiercer. Um if you didn't know, this is based off of the film Snowpiercer, created by Bung Joon-ho, the recently crowned uh, Academy Award Best Director, uh, which apparently he and Kelly Masterson had based it off of a French graphic novel called Les Trames Personnages. I don't know. Uh, shoot me, fire me, whatever you got to do. I'm just going with that. Some someone someone ask uh, Luc, Luc Besson. Besson. Uh, this was someone someone get him was, on the phone. Uh, this one was written by uh, Jacques Loeb, Benjamin Lagrand, uh, and Jean Marc Rocher. Again, if I got those know. names wrong, fuck it, I don't care. I mean, it sounded good to me. <clears throat> I we, took four years of French. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> we also don't have anyone left in in our in our french audience yeah, well, so. yeah. if uh if anyone's still there they're like in morocco or something um <laughs> so this was developed by josh friedman and graham manson i'm assuming that's how you say that first name if i'm wrong i'm super sorry gray i was He's gonna like, say i like that after you did the french names you you've had to like stop yourself from putting some kind of twist on the other name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, he's a Canadian Go screenwriter Ray, and producer uh, known for uh, Orphan Black is his, his big to-do. Oh, I heard that's and good. I'm I gotta watch that. I'm pretty sure Josh Friedman uh, left the project during production. I could be wrong, though. It had some issues. It, it took a while to yeah, get well, to... Like five, five years of issues. Yeah. And wasn't it Jumping between two different networks. Yes. Uh, well, TNT owns TBS, so... T TBS, but they didn't know where they wanted to put it. Exactly. Before, which TNT was the better place to put it, I, th oh, I think. Oh, 100%. The big thing is, like, before... I, I'm sorry. I don't want to get too into discussion. I was just going to say, the big thing is, like, TNT doesn't know what to do with TBS anymore, is really all it comes down to. They they did have it with baseball, and I think all their baseball contracts are run out, so they don't really know what the fuck they're well, using with it. Didn't they have basketball on there? Or was basketball on TNT? Basketball was on TNT. I don't even know if it still is. It's been that long since I've actively watched basketball, but um, yeah, yes. Anyways, um, in case you didn't know, this show has been ordered for a second season. Um, which sometime in 2021, summer attack. Maybe. So about a year from now. Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that that is because of the COVID uh, shutdowns. It probably will take longer than that. Um, this was starring Jennifer Colony, 
David Diggs, Mickey Sumner, Allison Wright, Ido Goldberg, Susan Park. I mean, the list goes on. Um, Sam Otto, Sheila Vand, Mike O'Malley. And there's quite a few more names, but I definitely, definitely want to point out Stephen Ogg. Did you... Did you say her name? Hmm? Did you say Who? Did you say Jennifer Connelly? Yes, yeah, I started with her. Oh. Oh, bro, I start with Jennifer Connelly. I don't know. I don't know where I am right now. <laughs> hey. I never looked to confirm, but uh you said Sean Bean and it sure was Sean Bean. Where's Sean Bean? Listen, I don't know a lot of fucking things, but I do know Sean Bean's voice when I hear him. He is the uncredited voice Mr. Of Wilford? Of Mr. Yeah. yeah. And oh. he is confirmed for season two as playing... No! Mr. Wilford. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking awesome! Yeah. Yeah, as soon as I heard it, I was like, that's fucking Sean Bean. Oh, man. Well, now we know Wilford's gonna die. Damn. Oh, spo- <laughs> oh of course, yeah. <laughs> Spoilers no to anyone who's watching this two. right now. <laughs> Sean Bean dies in everything he has ever done. <laughs> that's a lie he has survived a couple movies but i think they were in the 90s but yes i, I did want to end on Stephen Ogg. uh we'll get into his character a little bit later but god i wish he was used like at least 30 percent more than they used him uh he plays pike he was great. oh yeah, yeah uh always loved him like he'll never be a lead actor but he's really good at playing that batshit crazy side guy yeah, he did a good job, and they really concealed it in the first. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was kind of a little unhinged, but due to the circumstances, I understood. I was surprised how quickly he turned. Yeah. Didn't expect that. He uh, he's he's slowly working his way up in the Hollywood ladder. Like you could see him getting bigger and bigger roles. So I'm excited to see where he's at yes. in ten years. Yeah. He's kind of he's kind of like a slightly less erratic, uh, John Malkovich. I could kind of see that. I, I see. I think he gets stuck playing a little bit more uh, wild card roles, whereas uh, Malkovich just gets like eccentric roles. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Ben. So, what exactly is Snowpiercer about? All right, Ben. So, what exactly is Snowpiercer about? I'm so glad you asked. <clears throat> After Earth's climate collapsed, scientists attempted to correct the course of the planet by cooling it down, but they overcorrected and froze Earth to its core. In a last-ditch effort to save humanity, Wilford Industries constructed a train designed to circle the planet and keep the planet smartest, smartest and wealthiest alive. But as the train left the station, a group of revolutionaries stowed away on the back. Seven years later, as a broken class system is on the verge of collapsing, the tailies at the back of the train plot to topple the system and take control of the train snowpiercer, 1,001 cars long. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Oh, I love like that. that? Yeah, I love that. Do you like that? That was, that was, uh, I, I got a credit call and it was... He, he suggested adding the 1,001 cars along at the end. It's, it, it's good. Well, it just lends itself so perfectly to it because every every episode starts like that. So This is our synopsis. Yeah. 
<laughs> these are his synopses. <laughs> these are his synopses. <laughs> um, oh my god, don't do uh, that. That's a lot. Don't do that. Don't do that. Definitely don't do that. Um, I loved every second of it. Yeah, so... Fuck, okay, so who here, show of hands, and when I say show of hands, I want actually you guys to say uh, verbally that you have. Um, who has seen the movie Snowpiercer? I have seen the movie, kind of. You were high. <laughs> I was Same. high on that one painkiller with an N. Nicotine? Narco? Nar- no, Narcos. Nick- oh. Narcos, yeah. No, yeah, yeah Nar- Narco starring uh... <laughs> Frost, so good, so I, good. Uh... I was high in that movie too, or show. But I remember the gist, and I was surprised because when the first episode began, and the whole all the tailies were were getting ready to attack the guards as they were coming in, I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember this. Okay, they're gonna they're gonna attack them, and then and then. V Diggs, who is obviously the the new Chris Evans in the story, is going to uh, run down the train, and and that'll be that. And so I was shocked when that didn't happen, and they instead called his name out, and he was taken away. And I was like, "Am I remembering the movie incorrectly?" <laughs> because were, I was you, high. You were not. But but you um, were not. <laughs> so I was. It was a pleasant surprise. I was. I was. I was like, oh, so this is going to be very different right off the bat, and I was into it immediately. So, I I guess this is a perfect time to say this because we're gonna sometimes draw parallels to the movie, but I recently read uh, a review of the show after I finished watching it. Um, I believe it was by Rolling Stone. I do not remember the uh, author's name, and I apologize for that. Uh, but the author had said that there is this common thing that when you're going to turn a movie into a TV show, you have to obviously change the way the story takes place. You have to, it has to be longer, but with like, you know, small contained stories all throughout. And they said the easiest way to really... Uh, go into detail about a world is to literally turn the beginning of the series or the show into a detective story. Sure. And that's what they did here. And it it actually does make a lot of sense that you should do that. They listed a couple other shows that have done that where the beginning, the first season starts out kind of like a detective solving a, a crime or a murder. And that's how they show in detail the world around them. I.e. the expanse. Well, the expanse was written as from the get go. The books were written as a uh, detective story, the first one. So, but it's right, it's, a, right. it's a good trope regardless to world build. It, but yes, it that's why they did definitely. it. I think yeah, that makes sense. It, it it puts the audience in the shoes of the investigator, and it lets the audience mm-hmm. learn as the investigator learns. And the investigator knows things the audience doesn't. But we learn we learn the the context of the things the investigator learns as he learns the new thing so he'll learn something and then we'll learn something else that they already know along with the thing that we just learned with the investigator you know right yeah and it's a it's a good opportunity for them to do the classic uh okay explain it to me like i know nothing about what's happening Mm -hmm. here 
and they can kind of clue you in on well, some things that that they wouldn't normally talk about in exposition. You know, I mean, I've said it here a million times, but there is no good. There's no perfect way to do exposition. There's just like bad exposition, and there's not as bad exposition. Uh, <laughs> that's true, though, because like no, you, I think... you know when exposition is hitting you in the face. So if you could do it tastefully, absolutely do it. Matrix. Mm-hmm. Matrix has always had 100% on exposition, so it's possible. Yeah. I No, it very much is possible. Um, it just has to feel organic when you're putting information in the listener or the viewer or the reader's mind. It, and I think, it, honestly, that is a skill that is sure. developed in a writer. I think and it sometimes also... writers just like, oh, I have a lot to say. Let me just uh, exposition dump and then let's move on and tell a good story. It's like, well, you can still put it in there tastefully. And I think this show did a pretty decent job of filling in the exposition. Yeah. I think it's also really helps that really at the end of the day, when you break down Snowpiercer, the story is classism for dummies. And we, <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's putting it, that's worth putting it mildly. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And because we are, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm speaking out of turn because I guess I'm, I'm educated on everything. It's like, we understand cla- the classism. And so because of that, the world just kind of makes sense to us. They're like first class, second class, third class tailies. All right, well, that's pretty much all you need to know from then on out. And we yeah. can compare the things we learn to the real world to see like, oh, okay, well, this is this is the this is the poverty line. This is the working class. This is the the upper class. This is the one percent, and that's the way it goes. Yeah. Notice I didn't even say middle class. Hmm. No, you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> what are we um, gonna talk about today? Y- you didn't. <laughs> Communism, perhaps. <laughs> What? We know it's really funny. Is das Kapital? <laughs> as, a, as a logical human being, uh, I the entire time saw Jennifer Connelly, uh, Connelly, sorry, aka Melanie Cavill. I saw the story from her perspective, and I got it. Sure, I really did. I really did. But you bet your ass in episode, I think it was episode seven, I'm sitting there chanting one train along with the rest of those fucking red armband fuckers. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. So, I was I was doing it with them, even though I knew that their their idea was gonna fail. Not the revolution. So what, well, they're gonna take the train, but it is not going to last. Guaranteed. So what's it. fun is Jennifer Connolly's character, uh Melody, is Chris Evans's character from the movie if he took Wilford's offer in the movie. Wilford offers him the train. Uh, yeah. No, no, Wilford, I, I honestly doesn't think... Wil- doesn't Wilford offer him the train in the movie? At the end? What? Uh, what? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Okay, as I remember the film, <laughs> and granted it's been a while, and I was I was significantly less high by the end of the movie because the drugs had worn off. For the record, I was not abusing Norco, so I just need to make that clear for our audience. I was I had no, wisdom a, teeth removed and decided it it would be a great time to watch Snowpiercer. And oh, listen, pain ben, medication. Ben, no one thinks you uh, <laughs> abuse drugs. Don't worry, bud. And Ooh. so I, 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 now I, you know what? I do abuse drugs. I have a hard edge. What? 
Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? What? Stop. <laughs> anyway, um, I believe at the end of the movie, as Chris Evans opens the uh, the gate and and Ed Harris is is sitting there. Yeah drinking his whiskey he's like congrats you win capitalism come on in it's yours now and uh chris evans is like now nah, i'm gonna tear down the system because that was the goal that was the point of it all that's and he captain america yeah fuck capitalism and well honestly yeah and um anyway so um he 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 destroys the train but melanie while he while wilford did not offer it to her i'm not saying in the very specific sense but she took Wilford's idea for it all and kept it. She she took the offer. She was a working class member who was incredibly smart, who worked her way up the chain and was and kept the system when she finally gained power, not because she felt it was the right thing, but because she felt that on any other system would break because that's what it always has been. And so it just, it was interesting. I, I don't know. I saw the parallels, uh, the, or at least the the uh, the fork between her and Chris Evans' character in the movie. I thought it was, you, know, you, you could disagree, but I, I that's what I saw, at least. That was my interpretation. Um, I mean, I, I definitely think she's leaning more towards the Tilda Swinton character in the movie. No, I, that I really disagree with. That was... Uh, the Tilda Swinton character was m- definitely much more. Uh, what's oh, her name? Oh yeah, you're right. Ruth. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the the actress's name? Is uh, Allison Wright? Ruth. Allison Wright. Yeah. No, you're right there. Um, I guess maybe Chris Evans's character is broken up in between Jennifer Connelly yeah. and uh, Davy Diggs. I could see that. That's a, there's an argument there. Absolutely. Melanie is the side of him that wanted to accept ed harris's offer and uh well uh layton is the side of him that tears the system down well it's it's layton is the idealist who wants to live in a utopia jennifer Connolly is the realist who knows that a utopia cannot exist and they just need the train to keep going and she knows that the system that's in place will work she thinks the she system. doesn't care. She doesn't care about the train. She cares about the life after the train. But here's the important thing. You say knows with 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 Melanie's character. She knows this, knows that. But what she knows is wrong, obviously, because if the system worked, they wouldn't yeah, be but, in that position by the end of it. Yeah, but wrong people know they're right. That's how true. it goes. True. But I just wanted to to point out that like the system at the end of the day like we're I'm not I don't, and I know you're not saying in defense of um in defense of Melanie's actions like she does this because she knows what's what she's known and that's that but it didn't work regardless what, it was what destined did I, what to did fail. I used to describe her did I say she was a realist uh She's mm-hmm. just more pragmatic. She's more pragmatic. She's, she's, a she's not. She's not. She's not uh, allowing herself to be uh, susceptible to um, idealism, like uh, Dobby Diggs or Layton, I should say, is allowing Which, herself to be. But she la- lives in first class, where uh, Layton <laughs> lives in the tail. So there's a big difference there. Right where you. Uh... 
eat the heart of a cannibal. Hey, man. <laughs> I bet you that was the best fucking food they ate in their entire time in the tale, so... <laughs> yeah, they're all like, we all have to eat a piece because we're in this in solidarity. And they all eat it and we're like, mm. God damn. We should. Are you guys going to eat the rest of that? We should all <laughs> eat another piece in solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who wants to get another heart? Let's be bad. Let's be bad. <laughs> Let's be bad real quick. Real quick. Real quick. <laughs> okay, I know for a fact there is a liver in him. So we can just. <laughs> We may not. We may as well not let it go to waste. What was the? Uh, Who else here is a cannibal? Because we have to end this now. Cannibal cannibalism's bad. We have to. Can I get the kidney in a cannibal right now? Can I get the kidney in a doggy bag, please? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't quite. What was the old uh, like Latin American grandma? What did they call her? Was it abuela or no? Uh, oh, what did they call her? There's so many characters. It's tough to keep track of them all. It was. Mm, wasn't it like Mama something or? Yeah, Mama Mama Grande yeah, or something like that is what they referred to her. Mama no, I swear to God, I think that's what they called her. Mama Grande, he's correct. So you just Mama laughed Grande, at his yeah. name, Mark. Yeah. Um, Congrats. Yeah, um, Mama Grande, she's the one who's sitting there like <laughs> fucking with two hearts in her hand, just like smiling devilishly as she runs back to the uh, end of the tale or something. She was the heart of that revolution. You cannot deny it. Wow, who was that? Was that a pun? S silence yourself. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of uh, podcasting, real quick, I listen to a podcast every week by two professional like sports journalists, and the entire fucking time their phones are going off, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, boys! You That's are ridiculous. millionaires. Silence your goddamn phones. We are way more professional. That's why than they're that. millionaires. That's why they're millionaires because they have their phones I was just on. Say, they don't they silence might be their phones. They don't turn it off. No, I so, just I. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna ask. Um, did they name him Layton and make him a detective because of Professor Layton, the Nintendo DS game? <laughs> Maybe. I knew that name was familiar. I couldn't put a finger on. That's it. all I could think of. I just like, oh, he's a detective named Layton. That's fucking original. So, okay, while we're talking about um, Detective Andre Layton, the trained detective, the first trained detective, and probably last if we're being honest here, um, <laughs> Davi Diggs, what do we think about him in this show? Love him. Love him? Next question. One hundred percent. I think he was, and I hate to say this. I think he was underwritten for an actor of his caliber. So all I, I know. I don't, go ahead. I don't. I, I don't think he should have played as uh, as moody of a character as he was for a lot of the time, because the moments where he got to like, I guess smile, I thought he was great. So all I know of, of David Diggs was his role in Blackish as Rainbow's brother. That's literally all I've ever known him in. And I loved him uh, in okay. it. He is a uh he's a he's a shining star in that show and I've always I always get excited. He he was like a recurring through like season two and then he left the show and it was a little bummer. 
But every time he's on, I get really excited because he's just this like super kind-hearted character, and he's really just a a great actor. And I know he's on Hamilton. I don't. I, I haven't uh-huh. seen it. Sorry. And <laughs> Hamilton's very good. He's a very accomplished rapper. He's very very good. And uh, so it was a little off-putting to see him in this like hardened, darker role. And even for a while, like I hear his voice, and I'm like, oh look, it's the V Diggs. He's just such a sweet guy. And then like. <laughs> And then, like, you see him eating hearts and shit, and you're like, oh, my God. And I actually thought that was really powerful that, like, you have, you know, like, David Diggs has kind of, like, the higher the higher register, and you don't, you know, you, you, you he, he doesn't really, like, you meet David Diggs, I don't really think he comes off as, like, threatening. He's, like, a little sweetheart, and I've seen, like, interviews with him. And, like, for him to, like, be this, like, hardened kind of survivor, it kind of go, just goes to show, like, the lengths people will go to to survive the kind of of of, of darkened uh, soul that comes from living in this impoverished world, um, and I, I thought that was a really interesting. Uh, I thought he was a really strong casting choice because of that. Like he, you easily could have put someone in the role who's some like who's some big badass, you know, who's known for being badasses, and it's like, no, you put you put little David Diggs in here, and and he's he's he has to become a badass from what he's gone through. (laughs) So honestly, that's one of my favorite, um, I don't want to say tropes, but favorite ways to tell stories. You take somebody who normally wouldn't be in that kind of position and then something happens and they're radicalized. Yeah. Um, I mean, this happens throughout history. Um, you just get a normal person and an event happens, and then they are a different person from then on out. <clears throat> it's my favorite and thing I, to watch I, I, on the TV nowadays. Yeah, and I think uh, I think uh, Andre Layton is that that character in this sense. Absolutely, he's even he even starts as kind of a more and, moderate. He's still he's still moderate in the in the early first half of the season. Uh, it's not and, until he he realizes that Melanie is Wilford, and he's he's drawed because of it. Does he really kind of fully radicalize at that point? Well, if you look at that point, things are taken from him, though. Well, I guess no. Right. I, yeah. I guess no. It's it's when uh, uh, who was who was Bay in in the show for him? Um, Zara or uh, Josie? Both. Josie. I mean, Josie. When Josie's taken from him, I think it's that's like the final nail in the coffin. Sure. Um, but uh, I do want to say this kind of furthers your point to say that uh, Chris Evans' character was broken up between Andre Layden and Melanie Cavill in the fact that she also is somebody who was probably a decent person, an engineer, a mother, loved her kid, and she expected her parents and her daughter to make it to the train they didn't she becomes somebody else she's living for something else she's almost i wouldn't say radicalized but she is i guess she's focused focused intently on a goal at this point um same thing with on andre layton so and she's she's from a she you know I, i i called her working class earlier she's probably not working class she's probably upper class and when when this all begins 
and well, she was an engineer from Yale. Right, exactly. I, that says anything. I know they take anybody nowadays, so I don't because know. Because of that, you know, she is she's placed in a crucible from a place of privilege. So she gets down to business. She starts doing work, but her she doesn't want to change anything because she doesn't know what else to do. She knows what she's grown well, she, up in. She did. Go ahead. She did say that she came. She was like a came from, uh, like dirt poor. Oh yeah, you're right. Pennsylvanian or something like that. When she's like initially trying to connect with, um, with uh, David. We're just gonna True. call him Layton. True, but but Layton. it's not really who she was at that point anymore. She, I think, a lot of Melanie was like she is no longer who she was in the past. She is. She is she's become the very thing she might have hated once in her youth. Um, someone right. who who has accepted the fruits of capitalism and has uh, eaten it fully and accepted the world that they now live in rather than rejecting it and trying to change it. Yeah. <sighs> so anyways, you know, it's it's really tricky with her character because they they keep like at least for the first stretch she's going through so much and bending over backwards to try and keep the train in one piece that you like keep sympathizing with her and they just keep pushing that line further and further and then she you know freezes someone's finger off and you're like man i just like they finally crossed the line and then they they kind of almost make you sympathize with her again like near the end it's just they do such a good job with her character i think she's Probably the best written character in the series for me. Yeah. Jennifer oh, Connelly yeah, is would... true star. I would agree. Um, she's as, as much the main character as Leighton is. 100%. Did you did you guys see the... Uh, well, because they, they kind of pointed it out in the one episode where her her top button's upside down. It's an M. And it's like, ooh, that's, that was a good little... Uh, I like, didn't see kind that. Of, oh, but that's awesome. Trip. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh um, shit. And they, I, I didn't notice it. I only noticed it one other time, and I didn't know if it was on purpose or not. But in the scene where she's interrogating Josie, it actually is upside down again. Mm. And then when she's out in the hallway talking to, um, talking to uh, Ruth, it's back to the W. Hmm. I didn't know if that was just a, uh, a. Uh, continuity no thing. i don't think that's um, a continuity like thing. they like they messed it up or if it was on purpose no i, I think, think that's definitely on purpose she corrected I think herself that, i think that detail is 100 percent on purpose mm-hmm. because it's they focus important. so intently on that w yeah. flipping to an n yep in that last episode i i think that's yeah that's 100 percent on purpose oh yeah, that's right they did it again in the uh at the mm-hmm. deal. yep yep yeah that was that was smooth the first time was kind of subtle it you know um and then i it was just the one with the interrogation i'm not sure if that was on purpose or not but if it was that's kind of cool because that was like the most kind of uh out of character i guess for herself that she's acted in the show um so i thought that was that was interesting like pulling herself away from her morals that even though she was hiding behind the name, like she was running the show, you know. So that was the farthest away from her like moral standard she had p- 
pulled herself to keep everything in line. Yeah. I thought her going to throw up in a uh, in a bathroom in the middle of the torture was really telling about her character. <laughs> Matt and I were watching and, and she goes and throws up and Matt's like, oh, poor baby. <laughs> was that torture hard for you? <laughs> You know, you, you know, and it's it's funny. I'm not defending her in any way, but you know, you're pushed to do what you think you have to do. You know, once again, she she doesn't know any better. At the end of the day, and it, 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 I guess she does know better, but her instincts don't allow her to act on that. Her instincts want her to keep the status quo, no matter what, because she thinks it'll all fall apart if she, it's not. Now, as to whether well, she she's thinks right, she's saving, she thinks she's saving the human race. Exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah. All that matters is that the train continues so the human race can continue. That's all that matters to her. I mean, yeah. what's a finger and, compared to the human race? Come on. And at the end of the day, it really is like, it's just like... I... I... I continue, sorry. <laughs> it's just the, the, the... You know, like I said earlier, it's classism for dummies. And you look around at it all and you... You know, you'll meet your moderate, your moderate liberal, and they're like, "Yeah, vote for, you know, vote for for this person. They're going to, they're gonna bring everything back to normal." And it's like, "Well, normal is keeping the train running, and mm-hmm. not fixing any of the problems on the train. Let's uh, let's work on maybe changing how things are done. Let's change what's normal. Oh well, you know, I don't know if that'll work." Yeah, you, I fit well into what we consider ex- normal. Exactly. So why don't we just go back to that? And then you look around and you go, "Is normal working right now?" You, you know, even look at it like the train is falling apart. The pieces, the like the actual mechanics of the train are literally falling apart under the strain of the system that exists. Yes, it's like it, it, they fall apart because they're old, but that's obviously not the literary meaning of what's happening there it's falling apart because it's not working and yet in spite of everything she still wants to just keep the train moving no matter what right now as to what it means that the train stopped and a wealthy one percenter boarded on the back of it i i couldn't even start to tell you what, <laughs> what that means in comparison to modern day i think i think they I think the train left the station on that one so I have no doubt that they're going to uh, get back to it in season two, but just the whole, I'm just going to say it, Sean Bean showing up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Him showing up is, I don't know, I think it's like taking away from the story that they were building to in season one. That would have been great to show up later. Yeah, but the, like the whole revolution going on, I feel like that should have been more of the focus, and like the fallout from it, the looting, the theft, you know, the the people that you thought were good, honest guys who end up just like you know taking advantage of this new chaos that's been created. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like that's something that could have been fleshed out more instead of just like, oh, Sean Bean's here. <laughs> no, yeah, the finale is my least favorite episode because of that. I think, I like, think if me, it. Go ahead. I was say, don't get me wrong. I want to keep watching the show. I'm interested enough. I'm invested enough at this point after watching season one that I want to keep going. But 
go ahead. You were right. Finale is not the the best. No, yeah, it's my least favorite episode. I, I I think if anything, if they really wanted to introduce Wilford's train this season, I think it should have been the the final cliffhanger at the end of the season. I think that's where oh, there's another train out there. That's the scary part. And then make it so that this train is maybe chasing them for all of next season. So like the the threat of the threat of returning to what we once were is always on the heels of progress kind of situation. I don't know. While while True. they still while they're still sorting everything out that they need to sort out, all the looters, all the rioters, et cetera, et cetera. Not to mention the um the whole situation with Ruth, for example, freaking out going, He is real. He's right there. You know? Uh we we just had the rug pulled out from under us, but we're immediately going to get excited again and jump back on the idea that he's our savior and, I, and yeah. to have that kind of held and dangled in front of them for a while, especially with the unrest about the rebels like that, that would have been really, really compelling. I think, I think you're right. At least for like a couple episodes or half the season or something, have it on their tail. It would have like created a, 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 a religion to oligarchy at that point. Which would have been funny to watch. Oh well. And having to balance, having to balance, keeping the train at an optimal speed and safe speed while trying to like keep ahead of the secondary train. Like that would have been interesting uh, tension. Yeah, look, if they drop below fifty miles an hour, the uh, train will explode. <laughs> <laughs> Keanu Reeves flies in. Yeah, man. Dude, I'd kill him. I'd kill for it. I mean, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would not kill Keanu Reeves. Freudian slip, maybe. No, the never. Best person never, ever. Never. I'd die you would for kill Keanu. the best person ever. Yeah. Um. Uh, I wanted to ask ask you as someone who's seen the movie, um, because because I haven't. Uh, as far as the cinematography goes. It was that kind of inspired by the by the movie, or because I I did enjoy the way they, it was kind of claustrophobic, especially in, um, you know, the tail and the third, thirds section of the train. It was kind of really claustrophobically shot, and they they opened up a bit in like the, uh, um, what do you call it, the club, and in the first in the first class cabins and yeah. stuff. They're like you know while the spaces were opening up because they actually had a whole living room with couches and shit. Um, the camera also opened up quite a lot. Was that uh, kind of a similar effect they did in the movie or was this like a new design? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's definitely partially inspired. You got to remember too, uh, Bong Joon-ho is an executive producer on the series as well. So mm. a lot of his, his ideas were translated over into here. Um, but with that being said, uh, that's the the big departure away from this one, from what I remember of the movie, is the movie kind of had like a um, a Wes Anderson almost style to it in a lot of the train, um, and that was kind of thrown away here, obviously because it's a TV show and Wes Anderson shouldn't even be in movies, let alone TV, and <laughs> they. <laughs> So so I get why they they ditched ditch that and it wasn't always Wes Anderson it would be like um like for introductions of like cars and things like that they would give like a nice wide square shot to kind of like get a look at it 
but yeah, it, the claustrophobia in the back opening up as you get further up front was definitely a thing they had in the movies. Cool. It's also should be noted that in the movie, I don't think, correct me, Colin, have you seen the movie? Uh, probably about, God, I think the year it came out. Yeah, it's yeah. it's still been a while for me, even even when I was not entirely sober when I watched it. But if I remember correctly, you didn't really see the front of the train. You you saw the train as Chris Evans saw the train. You stuck with him the whole time, if I remember correctly. Oh, cool. So it would always be like an introduction to a new car, an introduction to a new class kind of situation. I think every once in a while they'd check in with Tilda Swinton, but uh, if they did, it would be like uh, it would be small shots. Someone could tell me I'm wrong. They probably will. They do often. Maybe. Yeah, I wish they had used the effect a little more. Um, they did a bit, but even in those cabins, they quickly went back to you know close-up shots for the conversations and things. I feel like they could have uh, exaggerated the effect a little more. I did enjoy it for the most part, though. The unfortunate thing about television is like it's so tough to keep motifs throughout the cinematography and television because there's so much more to shoot, you know? At the end of the day, yeah. it's just about, like, you, you get your motifs there in where you can, but coverage is king in television at the end of the day. True, true. And oftentimes they're switching off directors and mm -hmm. things. Oh, wow. Yep, two episodes. Okay. So similar to a lot of what I've worked on. Yep. Yeah, and you, you got what? two three weeks to shoot the whole episode like so depends on the production but yeah usually like seven to ten days they uh they definitely have a lot less time to shoot the half the length of a movie than half of a movie would take to shoot it so you know <laughs> what like i'm saying less than half yeah. a year <laughs> <laughs> I know less than half you, uh, fucking half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you, half as well as you deserve. Like, go tell, go tell, <laughs> go tell Spielberg he has to shoot half of his movie in seven days. Maybe I don't want to talk to Spielberg. He'd throw a temper tantrum. I don't want to talk to Spielberg. He'd throw a temper tantrum, <laughs> kill a few horses. Can we just not forgive him for that? He literally killed like five horses while making uh, War Horse. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah, kill. He'd kill the it. horse. He'd be like, "You want me to do it again?" He'd be like, "No, stop!" And he's like, "Give me, <laughs> give me thirty more days. It's two pages, Stephen. Thirty more days. Want me to do it again? <laughs> I'm gonna go remake West Side Story. Then you'll like me again. <laughs> but this time with horses." <laughs> Every time one breaks its ankle, I'm kicking it out. And by kicking it out, I mean shooting it. That's what I imagine Steven Spielberg's like. Does anyone like him anymore? No one <laughs> likes him anymore, right? <laughs> he hasn't made a good movie since, like, I don't know, Jurassic Park. George still likes him. Does anyone like him anymore? Uh, George <laughs> still likes him. Spielberg does. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're all they have for each other. Sick of old white guys thinking they're good at movies because they, they, they blow shit up. I, I talked to Steve and I said, I really think we should CGI the deaths of these horses. And he said, I want those fucking horses dead by sundown. 
<laughs> okay, Steve. Okay, Steve. All right. <laughs> and now let's play my favorite game of oh, the of the evening. Wait, wait, which I, I, which which class of the train would Steven Spielberg be in? <laughs> oh wait, oh wait. I, I, I'm sorry. I said four out of four or five horses died. I uh, I meant that the movie got uh, four and a half to five out of five stars. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> oh, oh, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> 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 sorry. Still for still every thinking. for every. For every star the movie gets, Spielberg kills a horse. Is that what you're you were insinuating? <laughs> yeah. If he killed one more horse, he would have got that fifth star. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. You know what they say? To make an omelet, you gotta crack a lot of horses. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> You know, weirdly enough, they didn't even die during production of the film. Uh, he, he said, get me a horse that can write this script. And then he just kept killing them because they weren't doing well enough. He's like, bring me another. When Spielberg <laughs> says you'll never act in this city again, he fucking means it. God, you, sh you guys should have heard the casting prog process with the children for E.T. It was fucking bloody. <laughs> <laughs> We're just lucky Drew remembered her lines, or else we wouldn't be seeing her in such hits such as <laughs> "Never Been Kissed." <laughs> See, okay, so the listener now thinks, "Oh man, they've they've really gone off the deep end now. They aren't even talking about Snowpiercer." But what we're doing is we're showing you that we don't care about the upper class, so it's okay. We would be... which? Uh, where would we be? We'd probably be Tailies, right? No, I don't have a job, so I, I'd definitely I, be a Tailie. I would definitely be uh, third class, for sure. Definitely, definitely first class. <clears throat> Shut the fuck up. Actually, Bill, you probably would be first class, and I hate you for yeah. it. My Let's daddy. real here. His dad. My daddy. <laughs> no, no, still no. First I mean, class, let's let's no, no, be first, let's be real. You'd be second class. Yeah, no, no. Second class. First class is like one percent. Second class at best. I'd personally be in third class, but like, also, that's only because I don't have the guts to actually be a revolutionary. So, does anybody? Well, wait, wait. Does anybody really? Sounds like I need to take something from you to radicalize yeah. you, Bill. This country has this country has a lot of don't step on snack, but let's be real here. They're not doing anything. <laughs> don't Ben, I thought you taking the house was supposed to do that. It didn't radicalize them. We're gonna have to try again. I'm trying to find these horses. I'm trying to find these dead horses. I can't find anything <laughs> on Google. <laughs> what about all the dead cows in Snowpiercer? Dude, that was so sad. You know they were eating them before, right? <laughs> so like, but they weren't gonna they weren't gonna eat them all at once. True. Yeah. I don't know why they were freaking out. They had a freezer now. Like they could easily keep all that meat. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the thanks well, for the the back and forth. Yeah, yeah guys. the horse meat. <laughs> I mean, keep keeping them in a freezer at like. 20 degrees is different from negative 60 or whatever they said. It was negative 127 Celsius. Yeah, that's that's rough. Ooh. I think you're getting what freezer What is that burn. in American? Yeah, was, uh, At that point. 
<laughs> it's actually less than 127. It, it overlaps. What it's is probably it? like 100. One second. I'm looking at it now. Minus 127 is minus 196 oh, Fahrenheit. That was wrong. What is... I'm curious as to what is cold... Like, what is minus 196? F is for family season four official trailer. Well, that's what Google has brought up for me. Uh, I got nothing. It's not even. It's not even halfway to absolute zero. So it's no real right. reference for that. Sci-fi. Okay. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. Okay, well, guys. Since let's we're get talking back to about it. let's cold. kill some horses. Let's get this thing on the road. Let's fucking grease. Since we're talking about cold. To get that inside joke, <laughs> listen to Once Upon a Tavern. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to, so I, I, so the whole concept of Snowpiercer, as I mentioned, is climate change happens, Earth heats up, scientists go, we can fix this, and launch cold missiles into the atmosphere. Uh, and then it, they don't fix it. They make it worse. So, which scientists were involved and why? Show your work. Because this was Show near, this was near future. So, like, are we talking, like, like, demon semen scientists? Or are we talking, like, that's a reference people will get. Or... Are we talking like Fauci was involved? Like who was there to come up with that brilliant idea to shoot cold bombs into the sky? I don't know. I think it's the same. It's the uh, same guys that uh, did the Wandering Earth project. I didn't watch that. Strap a bunch of rockets <laughs> I on mean, the side of the Earth. I mean, I, I push it really hard. <laughs> I watched it and I heard it was very good. It was very good. Great stuff. Um, Chichi. <laughs> No, honestly though, like, like, what's like, where do you need to be at to be so desperate to fix things that you don't check your math? It's <laughs> a good point. Hey, it's the weather. It's right? the weather. Okay. You know, there's always the person who goes, "You check the math? Well, check it again." But they had gotten fired the day before, so they couldn't say to check it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one guy. Oh, yeah, well, have, have you guys ever seen A Bridge Too Far? <clears throat> so it's a World War II movie no. about Project Market Garden, uh, which was a okay. huge flop for the Allies in World War II. Um, like, huge, huge fucking flop. However, there is a character in the uh, first act of the movie who the whole time is just like, we probably should do this. Look at this intelligence photos that I've gotten from airplanes that say, don't do this bad. And everyone's just like, you know what? You're overworked. You need to take a break. Just go on holiday for a little bit. And then Project Martin Garden happens. Lots of people die. I feel like that's what happened with this, with the freezing of the earth. All right. You yeah, know what? Someone's you trying know, to say, don't do this. You, and you like, know what, bud? You're overworked a little bit. Why don't you just take a break? It's yeah. I mean, that's a new. I mean, you know, and yeah, like, like I, I joke, but like, yeah. I mean, they were all rushing. They were trying to get something out there to fix it. It just that that was always the part for me that like it stuck in the back of my head throughout the series, where I was just like, man, someone fucked up bad. Like, it would have been better to have a hot planet 
than for that to happen. Like it made it ten times worse. I did think about doing the uh, think about that during the show. How hot was it? It, it how hot was it? It couldn't it? have been that bad because but... it was it was when <laughs> it was just beyond the point of return, right? The point of no return. Excuse me. How do you mean? Like, there's that there's that point of no return. Like, we're gonna hit it in like five years, where like there's no there's nowhere you could come back from where the world is going to be okay. And it was like I believe it was like five or ten years after that. I think as mentioned in the intro, but I could just be misremembering things. So like the world hadn't gone to hell yet. We just passed the point of no return, the point where we could no longer fix it. So they tried this very desperate measure to fix it anyway. Yeah, I mean, if it had worked, they they didn't necessarily know it wasn't going to work, so there was no reason not to do it. Yeah. But I was just wondering, like, you know, would it have been easier to survive if it were incredibly hot out? Oh. Would have been easier to check your math, that's I don't know, sure. but when it, when it hits 75 in a room, I am <laughs> dying, so... <laughs> God, honestly, I think it's at least 80 degrees in the room I'm in right now, and I'm like uncomfortably. Yeah. Please put an ice missile right in my ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> that can be arranged. Man, but at- speaking of, that seems that the like ice torture was so brutal. Oh, great idea. And I, I know it's kind of part of the uh, environment. Like, yeah, drawing from the environment, and it kind of uh, puts a pin, like, a pinpoint on the situation they're in. And even though they're, they're like, torturing people inside this train, that it really could be, uh, you know, much worse outside. <laughs> but still, it's it seems so extraordinarily brutal, like, especially in the, uh, it, I like, okay, taking off the arm, that was an interesting idea, and I think it was kind of, uh, I guess, less bloody than it could be with other methods um but like the uh the chair like uh, sentencing those people to death and putting them in the chair and they breathe the the ice air in holy shit that's that looked and sounded incredibly painful and inhumane almost like the death penalty i mean we've done worse when it comes to killing human beings for crimes so and it's just goes to show, like, we, like, humans will, will use anything to find new ways to kill people over actually solving True. problems, you know? Yeah, yeah. sure. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and just, yeah, the, you know, the cold at the end of the day is not the sci-fi element we're here to talk about. The sci-fi element we're here to talk about is the post-apocalyptic class system. You know, the cold is a tool. The cold is is the the backdrop of everything. It's not what the movie's meant to focus on, except for uh, when humans want to keep the status quo, they will go to great lengths to find quick and easy ways to do so. Yeah. But, man, this is why, obviously, it's a series that's going to last at least two seasons. Um, I don't think they fully hit the nail on the head about uh, classism. There's still much more to be said. Like I so said, it's much classism said. for dummies. And it, it's beyond that. It's to show, like, your revolution happened. Now what? 
And that's what I yeah. hope they focus on in season two. And I think they will, but it's like, uh, we're just not, we're not done yet. I'd be really interested if season two starts off and Wilford learns everything that happened here. And he's like, okay. And he's like, they, they did it. They took the train. Let them figure it out. Let them see how this revolution of theirs goes. And then he just kind of sits back and watches. I think that'd be an interesting thing to kind of see what happens. You know they're not going to do that, though. Yeah. They need, they, need, they need a bad guy. They need someone to rally against, I guess. I guess at the end of the day, he's there to unite everyone against him. So Yes. Which is like, in in real revolutions, doesn't happen. So, like, if anyone... Especially like in in the you know in the world today, as everyone gets all, uh, what's the word? Uh, excited to start toppling their government. Like will like you know George Washington isn't gonna roll up in a train and like start uniting us against him. Like, could you imagine how, how fucking work. great that would be though? <laughs> <laughs> if we're all just sitting there, we, we've just taken the capital. Uh, a boat fly goes over the Delaware River and or the Do what, what's first the river? off? You've seen the commercial. He's driving a fucking Challenger. Let's be real here. <laughs> and we're all like, "Who is that?" And someone comes out and they go, "It's here. He's back. He's real. It's George Washington." <laughs> and like all the ladies go and like greet him, and they're like, "Oh, Mr. Washington." And then Bill's long-lost son comes out. He goes, where's my father? Where's Bill Jarvis? <laughs> and then we fade to black and find out what happens in the Oh, end. my God. <laughs> fade to black. Brad Neely's Washington starts playing. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, yeah, and once again, that, that ending, um, I am excited to see uh melanie's daughter in the future yeah. i like rowan blanchard i was a big fan of girl meets world um so i was excited uh, to, to yeah. see her there and uh it was but once again we could have waited till next season like i think it was just poor to have that cliffhanger there uh i'm also really curious to see why she is the one who greets them oh that's that seems obvious because if you know, they he figured Melanie would be there. He figured Melanie would be the first one on the other side of that door. And that would uh, neuter her, in a sense. It'd keep, it'd keep her... Because clearly, he's, he's, he's showing up, and he's not expecting a warm welcome. She left him out there. She actively left Wilford. So it wasn't like an accident. Sure. So he knows that she's against him. So you're going to send in her loved one to immediately neuter her and and try and try and get her compliant once again so that you can do whatever you got to do. Unfortunately, what he doesn't know is she's not there. She's <laughs> not there. She's outside. I, for sure. I thought she was dead twice this season, and I'm happy she didn't die either times. Jennifer Connelly has, was... has a talent to Ooh. stay alive. <laughs> Sean Bean does not. She's no Sean Bean. Same exact thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't place your bets on him this season, in season two. Dude just loves dying. I almost thought for a minute that uh, when she stepped out, that um, like I wonder if she 
was doing a similar thing, like using his name to, like that'd be that'd be funny if she paralleled her mother's behavior and like being a mouthpiece for him. If like Wilfred is dead on that train too, <laughs> and she's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, all right, mom. Like, I I don't know what to do. Like, what did you do with Wilfred? It's like I thought he was on that train. No, what? What? Well, I had all these I had all these USB drives <laughs> with the speeches on them. USB drives. Of course. Where did she get those? I never thought about that. Did did he do that just because uh, he wanted I, to not have to give those speeches yes, later? Yes, I think they pre-recorded it so he had to do the least amount of work possible when the train took off and she realized she doesn't need him mm. at all and got rid of him. That and um I'd also imagine they were created in the event that something did happen to Wilford. I'm sure that there was some sort of That's protocol fair. were he to actually die and like people were to yeah. find out. You know, sometimes Man. it'd be comforting to hear, you know, your savior's voice or something. I don't know. I was really caught off guard that they had her kill him because I don't know, I was kind of just expecting like, oh, maybe he died while they we're running the train, and she tried to just roll with it. Well, they didn't. They, they, they didn't have. Her. She mm-hmm. she tried to. Yeah, kill. she tried. Yeah, she said she left him behind. Well, but we found that out later. Yeah, I, I get you. I for get all you. we knew, he was dead to rights. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was surprised. I. That it makes sense. Now. No, I get you. I, I was. I was too. I I I called pretty early in the first episode that she was actually in in charge. I was like. I was like, okay, so they're changing up the formula. I'm like, I bet Wilford's not even on this train. I bet it's something else. And sure enough, that happened, and I was like, boom! But I definitely didn't expect that she was behind getting rid of him. Yeah, that one did turn me for a loop, too. I, I was actually kind of oh, hoping that Sean Bean would show up at the end. I was like, haha, surprise! He was in the fucking engine the entire time! He just had I, his I, own I, room, but then it was like I kind of had that thought cheesy. too. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be? It's just like it's like, hey, fuckers! I got a, I had a back door. <laughs> it's been hiding in the. Walls. I had my <laughs> own car. Got him. One, it's why one thousand and one. Why do you keep He's saying the one that? Car. I was about to say, why, why, why do you keep saying one thousand and one? There are one thousand and two. <laughs> To be continued. Anyway, cutting off men's dicks. How about that? All right, dude, that was wacky shack. That everyone was just like, oh, that was another one that that Matt cracked me up with when whenever she was like crying and looking for sympathy in the last two episodes. You'd be like, oh, poor baby. Everything was taken away from you. I, I, I absolutely hated I, her character when she took her dad's eye, put it in her mouth, and started moving it around. I was just uh, like, I don't like this family. They all deserve the death. <laughs> and then the parents died. Again. I was just like, they're all right. Yes, two out of three are gone. Where's the redhead? Where's she at? Where'd she go? And there it is again, where it's like classism for dummies. Because like, I, I hated everything about the Folgers. I thought that it was like you're supposed here, to. No, 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 no. I yeah, I you're they're 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 supposed to be so good you hate them where it's like, "Oh man, I love to hate these guys." 
It's like, I thought they were radically unnecessary in the story. I thought that they existed solely to remind you that the 1% is bad, as if you needed a reminder. And so I think if this... I felt like the whole cutting off penises story was just a plot device at the end so of the day. It wasn't really I think anything interesting. This show came out in May of 2020. I think if it was written and produced in 2020... Uh, we would have seen a lot different Snowpiercer, for sure. I'm sorry, written yeah. and filmed in 2020. Uh, it's Possibly. I just think they were trying to hit a different nail on the head when so many recent events have happened in the world that uh, they would have told an entirely different story if it was just written a little bit later. It's possible. I'm sorry, you also five years remember. later. Because <laughs> this was in production hell. You got to remember, like, Bong Joon-ho's always been decades ahead of his time. Like, the dude's the dude's been saying shit for forever that people are just now coming to the realization of. Yeah, so, but I'm, I'm starting to see the parallels of uh, him focusing on classism. I didn't have, see it before. Watched, have you watched Parasite yet? Yes, that's why I'm saying that. Yeah, uh, well... Oh. <clears throat> if you're out there and you haven't seen Parasite, it's not sci-fi, unfortunately. But um, you need to fucking watch that movie. It's an incredible film. The thing is, is when I watched it, I was also having a good experience because I cooked an awesome dinner and then had ice cream afterwards <laughs> while, while I was watching the movie. So it was really weird, I guess. It's the only way I could describe it. I was happy and weirded out at the same time. Anyways, um, unless anyone has anything else they want to say i want to go into good sci-fi bad sci-fi i'm gonna start with mark go ahead all right uh well having not seen the movie i can't compare the two but i am very interested in seeing it now um this is this is hooked me for sure i was interested from from the beginning uh but it, it almost lost me at a few points but it uh, even in the the low points, it kind of kept my attention long enough to get me back to something that was pretty gripping. Uh, the the dialogue was atrocious at times, but it did I did like it overall, and I, I the acting was fantastic. They had a great assortment of actors, um, and uh, man, they really they really tried to nail home the whole uh, HBO light kind of vibe. <laughs> they. Uh, TNT has that side boob, man. They've got it unlocked <laughs> now, for sure. That that side boob. What did what did you call it? Uh, who the fuck was it? Was it uh, Ido Goldberg playing uh, Bennett? Yeah, the engineer. <laughs> when yeah. his pants are down around his ankles, and he's uh, he's showing Jennifer Connelly, uh, I guess his uh, his love and affection. Good lord. That was just a bony British ass. <laughs> just like, that was like the third time they had done it. Come on, man. No one wants to see that, bud. You could just you could I love that like TV sex too, where they just go straight to business. They just get to dick in right away. No foreplay. That's how it goes in TV, man. There's no time. Ben will tell you all about it. There's no time. <laughs> You gotta hike up the pencil skirt. Pull your you can't even pull your pants yeah. down all the way. Just put them right below your ass cheeks and just. All and just I need is a little more time. And I'm just like, 
Oh my god! No lubricant. <laughs> just no lubricant. Just no time for lubricant. You're, it's snow piercer. It's dry as a bone. We all know. Like, Come on. Ah. I'm, unco- I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> dry as bone. Oh man. No, I'd uh, I'd give this I'd give the season like a be. seven out of ten for sure. I, I like would it a give, lot. It's not would a rating give, scale. Uh, a little would to you be give desired, it four but... four dead horses out of five? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna Three say. What is our what is, use our rating scale? <laughs> uh, uh, one out of two side. Oh my god! Good sci-fi or bad sci-fi, yo? Good or bad? <laughs> good, we need an adjective. Sci-fi. God damn it! <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, good. Sci-fi. All right. It's oh, sci-fi. I didn't hear you. All right. All right. Thank you, Ben. I think this was. A great show. I was very pleasantly surprised by it. I'd kind of half followed its production um, throughout the very many difficult years. Uh, And I was never really excited for it. And even in the first few episodes, it really, like, I was interested, but I was not, like, hooked. I was like, I am not mad that I have to watch this. I am just, uh, I I just am going to watch it and I'm going to enjoy it. But as it went, it really really picked up steam the train really started rolling along and i really got into it and i found myself where where at first i was kind of half watching and doing other stuff while it was on i i really like set everything down and got into it i think at the end of the day it is still just classism for dummies it doesn't really have anything new or interesting to say in that but it does use its sci-fi backdrop very well in saying Something that I do understand that very many, many, many mainstream people still need to hear. Uh, you know, for, for people like us who, who, you know, are so educated and above. That's not what I mean. But, you know, for people like us, we get it. But for many people, they still need to hear it. So it does a good job of that. So great sci-fi. All right, Sorry thank I went you. all along. No, thank you, Ben. Literally, Mark talked about side boob for like at least a minute. You're fine. Uh <laughs> Bill Jarvis. <laughs> um, I agree with what Ben said. Um, and I feel like, like what, what you said, like, I feel like honestly, for me personally, for the show, um, the social commentary that it's saying is something that needs to be said. And it might be something that's like, oh, that's cliche. It just keeps, it needs to be repeated over and over again. That's just the nature of it. Um, and uh and yeah and so i I think that's it and then also the fact that it had to build a lot of momentum within the first three to four episodes might have lost a good potential audience that they could have had to uh you know keep it going but um second season's coming up so that's good um but it's definitely one of those shows where it gets good on the on the second half of the season so good sci-fi okay thank you uh i will also say this is good sci-fi um it's interesting is the whole like you know uh, classism for dummies thing the topic will never get old this is something our species has struggled with literally since we formed civilizations we're talking mesopotamia egypt everything it's this is something that we we just cannot fucking shake even today in the year uh 2020 so uh I will never get tired of this story being told. Um, I think there are better ways to tell it, but I'm still enjoying this. Uh, As I said, I was shouting quietly 
because people were sleeping. I was shouting one train along with the rest of those tailies in episode seven. Um, great sci-fi. I, I think it's always important to reflect on the society you live in, even told in a fantastic science fiction world. So, great sci-fi. And I think at that point, that's all we have. Um... I would like to thank everybody for listening to our take on Snowpiercer, brought to you by TNT. (laughs) (laughs) We are not sponsored by TNT, but the show is brought to you by TNT. I'm just giving We are not brought to you by by TNT. No, no, I I, 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 I really, I'm I'm trying to get. uh, I'm just giving TNT a little taster. Just, just be like, listen, this is what we could do. Give me you get one for free. Um, we missed an opportunity just to make a, yeah. a, a dynamite joke. Yeah, about the show. I, d- you know, I got nothing. Oh, Mark, my, no. God, you know, I really tapped my dynamite jokes about five years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I don't get it. No, there's yeah. nothing to get. I just, you know, I just don't have dynamite jokes anymore. They're just not good anymore. Dynamite used to be really hot, and now it's not. Is that like like a, mm. a play on like dynamite? Go ahead and wrap this up, Colin. Yeah, I'm trying to. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyways, uh, real quick, Ben Young. What can people do on Sundays if they're bored, or if they're just looking for a good time? If you like listening to fantasy and or Dungeons and Dragons or watching, um, you can check out Once Upon a Tavern at twitch.tv slash once underscore upon underscore a underscore tavern and at facebook.com slash once upon a tavern. Uh, there, you, you can also listen to us at our podcast, wherever podcasts uh, can be found. Uh, it's Once Upon a Tavern. Um, we are really uh, ramping up to some exciting stuff. I've said that every week, but it's just because it keeps getting better every week. Uh, this week we had 20 minutes about horse balls, so that's fun. <laughs> that, that, that was something else, wasn't it? Uh, um, all right. Next week we are going to be covering the film Sorry to Bother You. Um, so you now have one week from the time you are hearing this to fucking watch it, and we will tell you what we think about it. It's, gonna it's be... so weird that we're watching that. It's not a sci-fi film, so... Yeah, just just watch. Yeah. It is a Don't worry about film. it. Just watch it. Just start the movie. Just watch it now. Yeah, oh, I get yeah, what yeah. you're doing. Um, Bill and I saw this movie. Like for anyone who's <laughs> listening right now, Bill and I went to see this movie, and we left, and we both agreed we'd never watch this movie again. <laughs> and now, now we're gonna have to watch it again. It's. I'm terrified thinking about it. I'm honestly like I, I've I've had a lot of anxiety lately, and I think this is the reason. <laughs> so Anyways, watch this movie great so now no one's gonna watch it thanks Ben until next time no it's no it's what no it's what what no we're already gone you said until next time I did it's over. yeah no I don't You'll have to I, tune in I don't next think week. about stuff after we say until next time I just don't they'll have to tune in next okay, week okay we gotta end this thing hold on